So, in all humility this morning, I don't know if you heard, but I am crowned the greatest cook of the diocese. It was a lot of fun. The event was great. Uh, Father Leo, without Father Leo, I don't know how good it would have been. He was excellent. Just running back and forth if you weren't there. It was, it was witty. It was funny. It was a good time. So, uh, but now I just proved what everybody already knew anyway. So, <clears throat> In the second reading, we have a beautiful letter from St. Paul to Timothy. He had, Timothy had a great affection for. We know this because it was one of his disciples a disciple of Jesus, but followed Paul. But he, he referred to Timothy as my son. So this is somebody he is very, very close to. And this letter is one of the last letters that Paul wrote. And in it, he's kind of giving Timothy his last will and testament, everything that he wants him to know to kind of take the reins from Paul. And he's speaking about his own convictions. He's already on house arrest with an impending execution. So these, what we hear today are likely Paul's final words uh, that he ever penned. And in that, he has this very interesting illustration at the beginning of the letter. It says, I am already being poured out like a libation. This is a, a very powerful image if you understand what he's saying. A libation is a drink offering. I don't know if you remembered from those stupid old 1990s rap videos when they would be pouring out like 40-ounce malt liquor for their dead homies. That's a drink libation. And it's not new. That's the thing. You know, I think we do a lot of things new. There's a lot of things that aren't new. It's old. It's like two to 3,000 years old. The Romans used it. After the end of a meal, they would dump a little wine out as an offering to the gods. That's a libation. The Jews would use wine and oil. They would dump it out upon the altar to cleanse the altar. That's a libation. What is Paul saying? My life is a pouring out. Now that's bizarre. That's counterintuitive to all of us gathered here because the life that we all think we should live is a filling up. I have a lot of possessions. I've accumulated a lot of things. Power, money, possessions. The more I've got, the happier I am. Again, to go back to 90s rappers who every once in a while speak truth. I don't know if you remember the notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, or Sean Puffy, P. Diddy Combs. They have the dumbest names, I swear, and they're getting dumber as we get further along. But this line was true. He said... More money, more problems. The more you have, not the happier you are, the more problems you have. Why? Because, well, you got to maintain everything. You got to keep it up. You always are watching over it, making sure it doesn't get wrecked. Storms are coming. They're going to ruin your house, your third house, your fourth house. Who's going to watch over it? Who's going to clean it? Who's going to cut the yard? There's all, the more stuff you have, the more anxiety you have, the more problems you have. We have a, my brother and I have a lake lot out at Sibley, Lake Sibley, just out by Dawson because we can't afford a cabin. So we thought we, we would buy a lake lot, maybe pay that off, and someday, I don't know, a cabin will magically appear on it or something. But when you're out there, everybody is like, oh, we have to winterize, and they're, you know, they're just, they're crazy. I would bet people right now are missing mass just to winterize their cabins because this is about the last week you could do it. 
And it's a ton of work. And my brother and I are out there, you know, we have this lot and we have a shed on it. So we're like, yeah, we just got done winterizing the shed. It was a pain in the butt. Like, we had to put the padlock on it and walk away. <laughs> like, <laughs> less money, less things, less problems. This life is not about a filling up. It's about a pouring out. In fact, the only time that Paul ever mentions like his accomplishments is in the second letter to the Corinthians, in which he has his litany where he says, five times I've been scourged, three times beaten, once I was stoned, three times shipwrecked, a night and a day at sea, in perils from robbers, in the cold, without food. And he goes on and on and on. What is he showing us? That his life is about giving of himself. And even at the end of that letter, he says, and on top of all this stuff that I have to go through, I also have to deal with the churches. My life is an outpouring. Here's the problem. Here's the question maybe first. How do you measure your life? Is it a filling up? Or is it a pouring out? Because I think the, the fear of us measuring our life to St. Paul is that we see all he gave up, all he sacrificed. So in reality, everybody in this church is not, a, they're not afraid of failing. We're afraid of succeeding. That we might actually become a saint. And we have examples that it can be done. So we, we don't have to sit and look at this thing that's on a pedestal that we can't touch that no human has ever done. Plenty of humans have done it. Because they've measured their life according to God's love, which is an outpouring. They forgot about the self and poured their life out. But because of our fear of what we have to give up, most of us measure our life on filling up. Because we can control that. I can control what I own. It's, it's not too risky. It's safe. But like William Wallace and Braveheart said, all men die. Few men truly live. And how did William Wallace, what happened to him? His life was poured out as he was disemboweled for the freedom of Scotland. But he's remembered and he's considered great. In the gospel, the Pharisee measured his life by all that he had done. I love it. It says, the Pharisee took up his position in the temple and spoke this prayer to himself to himself look at me God look at everything I do look at what a good boy I am the tax collector on the other hand pours out his heart realizing that he is a sinner and that only God can save him and in the end you guys because the measurement of our life being towards what we're filled up with or, or what we've given we know that what we're filled up with, even the most lavish thing, just doesn't last. It just doesn't last. And so we move on to the bigger thing and the better thing and the next vacation. I personally experienced this. I don't know if you know this, but there's a, a club. <clears throat> I had no idea what it even was, but there's a club in Big Sky, right next to Big Sky, Montana. It's called the Yellowstone Club. The Yellowstone Club is one of the most prestigious ski clubs in America. Uh, people that have cabins and are part of this club to the likes of Justin Timberlake, 
Bill Gates. Uh, for those of you who are old school hockey fans, Sergei Fedorov. For those of you that hate Tom Brady, Tom Brady. So these are, this is a big, big wig club. The, the membership, I think, just the membership per year is $2 million. <clears throat> so we were in Big Sky on a little vacation in this little condo that somebody let us use. And my brother and myself and a friend of mine. And this friend of mine from the East Coast, he said, hey, there's this family here and they want to take us out to eat. Now, my brother and I are like, look, we go on vacation to get away. You know, we, we kind of just want to lay low key. And he's like, but it's a great family. You guys would love them. You got to meet them. And finally, we're like, OK, we'll do it. So we go and meet with them in another club that's by Big Sky. I didn't know this either called Spanish Peaks. We walked into a restaurant that was bigger than this church. It was a huge chateau. And this family they were great. We had so much fun with them. Just crazy Catholic. And we had a great time. And the meal was exquisite. And at the end, the server came out. And he's like, my, he's like everybody, I would like to offer you uh, chocolate lava cake for dessert. Uh, it's homemade by the chef. Like, great, chocolate lava cake. Well, he comes out about two minutes later. And he says to the father at the table. And he says, sir, I'm sorry, we, we don't have enough left. And he's like, that's fine. Just bring whatever you have. And his son starts laughing like... He's sitting right next to me, and I'm like, why are you laughing? He's like, it's hilarious. My dad owns this place. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, he owns this place. So then after supper, he's like, you really got to come up to my cabin. I'd love to have you over to have a little nightcap. And we're like, okay, you know, we'll just head over to Big Sky. He's like, no, 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 I'm up at the Yellowstone Club. Again, I don't know what that is. So he drives us up. We had an escort, pickup in front, pickup in back up to his mountain cabin, which was a mountain mansion. And they had, it was beautiful, it was huge. And I remember one conversation I had that night specifically. And it was with the young, the young son, he was about 16 years old. And I said to him, I said, man, you got everything. Plus you got the faith, they were super faithful. And he's like, yeah, you know, it was cool when we first got here. <clears throat> now it's just kind of another ski hill. And he didn't say that from like this spoiled brat position. He said that because it was true. So Tom Brady's there. Who cares? So Justin Timberlake's there. Who cares? He's a human like you and I. That's like saying, hey, Father Waltz is in Big Sky. Who cares? This stuff, this filling up doesn't matter. And it leaves us empty. It leaves us wanting more. And by the way, that family is one of the most generous families on the East Coast. So they're, they're living the pouring out as well. Money isn't the devil. The love of money is the devil. I learned this quote. I don't know who said it, but it's fascinating. Men are in a restless pursuit after satisfaction in earthly things. They will exhaust themselves in the deceitful delights of sin. And after finding them all to be vanity and emptiness, they will become very perplexed and disappointed. But they will continue their fruitless search. Though worried, wearied, they will stagger on forward under the influence of spiritual madness. And though there is, never, there is no result to be reached except that of everlasting disappointment, they press forward. They have no forethought of their eternal state. 
They turned to another and another of Earth's broken cisterns, hoping to find water where never a drop was yet to be found. This is the life of filling up. I don't know about you, but in my own conversion, I just remember I had a job set up for like $60,000 a year, which is good out of college, really good. I had a girlfriend I had been dating for a year and a half. I know that's hard to believe, but I was thinking about getting married. And I just remember this thing inside my heart just kept saying like, there's gotta be more than this. There's got to be more to life than this. And here is the more. The more is the life of outpouring. There's a whole world of self-gift that awaits you. And once you enter it, once you taste it, you'll never want to go back to the world. Because when when you experience that, you see the world for what it is. A big show. That's all it is. It's a big show. I leave you with the words of St. Francis of Assisi, who maybe understood this truth of outpouring better than anybody, as he said, one of my favorite prayers, O God, grant that I might not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in forgiving that we are forgiven, And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. That is the life of outpouring. So right now, the question this Sunday, how do you measure your life? There's only two answers to that question. Filling up or pouring out. And the answer to that question, those two answers are as far apart as heaven and hell.